What's up, guys? Welcome back. I'm Colton McCormack, and this is Certified Wrench Podcast. Today, I am joined via FaceTime by Wade Bodie, and he is the owner operator of Freedom Field Service. Um, you guys, oh, I guess I should say let you say what's up, right? <laughs> hey, what's going? <laughs> uh, you guys might know him. Well, first off, probably on Face Face Facebook, Facebook and Instagram. Um, but you might know him from the cover art of the Certified Wrench. He has the beautiful red truck with the American flag in the air. Uh, anyways, man, let's jump right into it. Uh, who are you? Where'd you start? And what are you doing now? Yeah. So as you already said, my name's Wade. Um, I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's Northeast Indiana for those who don't know the state much. Uh, born and raised here. Um, as far as for how I got into the trade, it, it, I'm first generation. Um, you know, my dad or relatives, anything, any family like that didn't really work on heavy equipment or weren't really involved in the industry much. My dad had a short job where he worked for a local utility company when I was a little kid. And I'd say that was probably, it's probably what started it. Just kind of seeing the bigger equipment and stuff. Cause mom would take us out to see him when he'd be on a job close by and we'd go see him for lunch and stuff like that. But, uh, probably it was probably, I don't know, I was a teenager when I finally decided that I wanted to get into equipment and specifically work on heavy equipment. And what? <laughs> it like paused for a minute. It was weird, but you're good now. Okay. Um, so anyway, um, <laughs> uh, hold on, anyway, hold on. Sorry, folks. We had some uh, technical difficulties. Homeboy over here was uh, receiving some phone calls, and uh, it fucked it all up. But anyway, back to the teenage years. Yeah. So teenage years, I finally decided that I wanted to pursue a career in heavy equipment and specifically working on heavy equipment. So got out of high school, immediately started applying. I applied at local cat dealer, um, other equipment dealers, Komatsu, et cetera. And I was kind of fixated on cat just because, you know, that's what everyone else is. I mean, that's the leading brand. That's what you want to do. But I... I was never selected, even for just like an entry level job. Um, and I was persistent. I kept up with it for quite a few years before I finally gave up. But in the meantime, I wasn't just going to give up. I started out, um, I started out working on cars, actually, uh, just to get some experience, you know, just working on stuff and build up some tooling. So I started a local car dealer and <laughs> same thing, 18 years old. I mean, Started changing oil, doing tire rotations, and just worked my way up from there. Um, went under a master tech and started doing alignments, electrical diagnostics, full engine repair, transmissions, suspension, all that stuff. But it's not where I wanted to be. So I still was looking, still was trying to get into an equipment dealer. Uh, eventually, uh, one ended up calling, and it was a Bobcat dealer. And so I went to work for them. And I was there a little over over three years, if I remember right. Hmm. That's that's where I cut my teeth, kind of learned, you know, your 
hydraulics, your electrical, because they actually sent me off to schooling and stuff. Um, and that was cool. That was my first taste of being in a field truck, too. Oh, really? Uh, they, yeah, yeah. They put me in a – it wasn't much. It was just an F-550 van body. But to me, at whatever age I was, 21 or so, it was awesome. You know, I thought it was cool. <laughs> Hell yeah. And that didn't work out, though. Of course, uh, work slowed down. They wanted to open up a separate branch and asked me to go basically be the mechanic there. And, of course, that's not what I wanted to do. Once I got the bug of being in the truck, that's where I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And after that, it kind of went downhill from there um, at that place because they never go back into a truck. And I also wanted to work on. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, how old are Yeah. How old were you? And what year was this? You know, when you were in, in Bobcat? Oh, goodness. You just well, said I'm, your age. I'm, I'm about to turn 29. So this was. <laughs> I think think back i started there when i was 20 so i would have left just after turning 23 okay so yeah um but yeah i i wanted to work on bigger stuff not just bobcats kind of wanted to move on from there and so i got in at a local independent contractor uh is an excavating company and they were predominantly cat. And that was that was a cool experience too. And that was me going back in a truck too, working on cat equipment. And it was it was a blast too. I learned a lot too as far as for welding during that time too, because we'd be in the shop doing fab jobs and that kind of stuff. And that was a cool learning experience. That didn't work out though. Um I did I didn't even make it there a year just because uh, me and the lead shop lead shop tech or lead foreman he was just a different character and it's not like i didn't like the work obviously i'm still doing it but sometimes there's just there's people that you just don't jive with so yeah so left there went to another independent contractor and they kind of had a more wider variety of equipment i worked on cat deer volvo some oddball stuff they had like bandit tree chippers and Oh, they had they had a paver. I don't even remember what brand it was. I think it was an old Blonox or something like that, or maybe an old IR. I can't remember. And then I worked on trucks there too. Did a lot more fab work. Um, oh. Built up my my confidence there. Built up my experience there in fabricating and working on more than one brand. Mm-hmm. And from there, uh, that company fell in some tough times and had to lay me off. And I was looking around and then I got in, went back to a dealer. And this one was a local Volvo dealer. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The that's and that I mean it was still a great experience. Um it's a good company to work for, a lot of opportunity. Uh they got a good training department too. Um and it was nice to recap on the training that I did back at Bobcat. Um at their training, you know, kind of refresh on the electrical hydraulics. You're dealing with larger engines and stuff like that too. And, uh, then towards the later end of me being there, they asked me to take on cranes cause they were also a link belt dealer. Hmm. Okay. And that was 
a really, really cool opportunity. And I, I really enjoyed that. Got to go down to the factory down in Kentucky. Um, got to, you know, mess with brand new cranes and met some really cool people. It was just a, it was something totally new to me. Kind of brought the excitement back to it, you know. Um, but same thing. I, I just, I was still kind of uh, wanting more, kind of unhappy with things. And I always wanted to try, you know, uh, being on my own or, you know, being self-employed and, and trying the whole thing of buying a truck and, you know, going out and working on equipment. And it kind of all came about on accident. So I started the company back in 2020. Just I, I decided, you know what, I'm going to try it. Well, as soon as I got all the paperwork back is when like COVID uh-huh. just went. Oh, yeah. I mean, the world was ending. So COVID. Yeah. Yeah. That word. Um, <laughs> so that that put a wrench in things that put it on hold. So I'm like, well, you know, who knows? I'm like, I better better not jump. In this. better wait and see how it plays out. So waited until what was that? Well, like like we talked about, I picked up the truck and officially went on my own a year ago. Like, I think it was March 31st or April 1st. I have to go back and look the post. But uh, finding the truck was kind of an accident. Um, I'd always been looking for them and looking around and kind of seeing what they were going for. And the truck that I got um, wasn't even the one I was looking at. I was looking at an F750. Mm. And it was nice. IMT body, high bed sides, 10,000-pound crane air ride, regular cab, is clean truck. Called. They said they had a guy looking at it. Like, that's cool. Let me know. And uh, sure enough, it got sold. And I was, they called and told me that. I'm like, no, no big deal. At least they called you back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. They're pretty good people um, for a dealer, you know, yeah. or people selling trucks. And uh, they said, well, you know, we lost that one or, you know, that one got sold. But we do have this other truck here and i said well what is it and he said well it's a kenworth and immediately and i'm like well man there's a reason i was looking at fords you know i kenworths usually go for significantly more mm-hmm. he said well that's true but this one's not priced much differently he said it's only ten thousand more that drew my interest and i was like send me pictures of course i saw him and I'm, yeah what's the catch <laughs> and you know i heard the price and saw the condition that it was in i'm like let me come look at it Cause I wanted to find out what's, what's the deal with this thing. And so I drove, luckily it wasn't far. It was less than two hours from me over in Ohio and, uh, looked it over. And I mean, the thing was just, thing was spotless come out of Arizona. So no rust cause up here in the rust belt, that's pretty bad. <laughs> and, uh, they repainted the bed inside and out bed lined underneath bed lined, uh, the bed of course. And yeah, it come with uh, the Miller Big Blue, come with the welding machine on it, obviously the compressor and the crane, and then all the, you know, the drawers and everything. So I saw how it was equipped and how it was spec'd, and compared to what it cost, I was like, I got to try to get this thing. Because to me, in my mind, I, I thought it was a good deal. Mm-hmm. And it ended up working out, I ended up getting it. So um, like that, I brought it home a year ago and jumped into it so do you have to have a cdl for that truck yeah it's 
So this one's 33,000 GVW. So okay. you have have to have a CDL drive. Did you get your CDL for the truck or did you have it prior? No, when I was uh when I was at my previous job, the Volvo dealer before I left there, um I ran one of their trucks and you had to have a CDL to run there. So that's how I acquired it. 10 4. Sorry, my keys are on my side and we're hitting my chair. <laughs> um right on. So uh I mean, we can dive into it if you want. I got lots of questions for you. Yeah. Go for it, man. So, obviously, starting your own business, you know, and from what it sounds like, you didn't have, like, a ton of experience in all machines. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, yeah, like, I'm not, it's not like I've got 20, 30 years plus experience or anything like that. Mm. Um, Definitely not a mass, well, gosh, what's that old saying? You know, it's like a... Jack of all trades, master yeah. of none. I know. Yeah. I, I I knew enough of I knew enough of everything to get myself in trouble, basically. <laughs> it's all but, nuts and bolts uh, in the end, man. But I was just curious because a lot of guys will, you know, uh, they'll build their their strengths in certain machines, or you know, John Deere, Caterpillar, Volvo, Komatsu. Kind of sounds like you have a little bit of little bit of everything. Yeah, and that's that's kind of one of the things that I really liked about, you know, me progressing over the years, um, is it was never really brand specific. Um, you just kind of, you learned how to approach, you know, all these different makes and all these different models and kinds of machines mm -hmm. with, you know, your same basic knowledge, you know, just your concepts of electrics and electrical and hydraulics and engines and all of that. And I've kind of learned that, I don't know. It's that old saying that everyone says it's all nuts and bolts. And there's a lot of truth to that. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, even, even on some of the more complex stuff today, like your emission systems and all that, they all have the same end goal. They all use a lot of the same principles and stuff. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that gets kind of complicated is, you know, obviously I would say schematics, electrical, how they're wired that would be the main difference. And then the other thing is like hydraulics is, you know, everyone's kind of got their own funky quirks on how they plumb everything up and their own ideas on how to make things more efficient and have more power. So I'd say as long as you have access to, you know, documents, literature, whatever you want to call it, schematics, hydraulic, hydraulics and electrical, I feel like you can, you can pretty much conquer any of them as long as you know how to read and understand those two things and have a general knowledge of just how stuff works. Yeah. I was going to ask, does it ever bite you in the ass, you know, not having the knowledge of something, a certain machine or anything like that, or can you usually figure it out pretty, pretty easily? Yeah. I mean, you get into a complex electrical situation. Like I've got, I've had one recently, but I kind of, it was kind of easier for me because it was a Volvo haul truck and mm -hmm. you know, that was my most recent experience, you know? So it wasn't totally new to me. Um, I knew what direction to go and I have, I have tech tool. I have cat ET. Okay. Um, I've got all that stuff. Um, so I'm able to, you know, connect to them, 
and you know able to see that see codes and see uh live data and stuff like that as it's running if that helps in that situation but yeah i mean there's going to be some complicated problems that you're you're really going to be struggling without having schematics i agree yeah that you actually answered my next question which was you know software uh, mm-hmm. so are, are you on a customer basis of software like you know your volvo volvo what was it tech tool tech tool it's, and it's their program um you're saying as far as for how it's set up or yeah like, like do you have access to a lot of stuff or certain I go things through, i go through an independent guy that a lot of people on the pages and stuff use i, I know who you're talking about yeah i don't i won't say I his name yeah i was gonna say i don't know i don't i didn't want to name drop yeah but um yeah no i i use him and uh he spec the laptop for me put off-road and on-road programs on it Mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's the same stuff granted there's different things that you can and can't do when it comes to like dealer access yeah you need some stuff like that but but for the basic stuff i mean you can get a lot of stuff done without those dealer passwords yeah of course yeah um so you know with the starting your own business thing uh what exactly did you do because this i get asked a lot you know i really want to dive deep into this thing because we get i get questions all the time like when are you going to talk to an independent guy uh yeah so first off is it a pain in the ass (laughs) pain in the ass to uh you know, first of all, start your company and, you know, acquire everything you need to get this thing going. And then we'll jump into the next thing. Um, as far as we're starting the company, like the actual LLC, it's not a, it's not a headache at all. You yeah. just go online. I think I used legal zoom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, that stuff's set up for dummies, man. It, it walks you through it. It has questions that it asks based on how you want to set up your business and it explains everything on the best way to set it up, whether, you know, you're doing a corporation or, you know, if you're doing an LLC or sole proprietor, you know, and everyone's different in their situations. Um, the most common thing that a lot of people do is an LLC. Mm-hmm. And obviously that's what I went with. I started out as a sole proprietor LLC and, you know, to do all that and fill everything out online, gosh, I, I can't remember the cost, but I think it was like a few hundred bucks all yeah, said and done. I, th- I thought it was like 900 bucks. And don't they do everything for you? Yeah. So it might be a little bit more expensive than now that I think of it. But yeah, I mean, they do all of the they do all of the legal stuff and what they have to do. Obviously, you have to come up with a company name. Yeah. They, they send it off to your your uh your state, the whatever state that you, you know, that you're in. And if that name is available and of course all the other um, boxes are checked and they're good to go with it, then you obviously get a letter in the mail saying, Hey, it's been accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you get all your paperwork and yeah, your LLC is started. It's pretty darn simple. The biggest headache 
of all of it that I had to deal with was the DOT and commercial vehicle stuff. I can see that. Uh, that was a headache. That was a lot of loops to go through. Um, and it's not bad now. The worst part about it is getting started as a new as a new company. Yeah. There's a lot of paperwork, and of course, you're getting sent down. You call an 800 number or whatever it is. You want to talk to them. You want to ask questions. No one has answers. They try to. They transfer you to the next person. You're on hold for, you know, a couple hours, not getting any answers. Well, finally, I got lucky and I got someone that did know, <laughs> and really helpful and pretty much walked me through everything. Sent me all the forms, um, and any question that I had on the forms. I would send her an email back and she was more than helpful. So mm -hmm. I wish I remember her name, but yeah, she, <laughs> she, she made that a lot less of a headache. So, um, go ahead. I was just saying, so, uh, did you have a lot of clientele built up in the beginning or how did you go about that? No, no. So I didn't want to go. I know like some people, on a, like I know like uh, a lot of people think like you know you talk you get close with your customers when you're employed somewhere yeah. and of course you know when you branch out in a lot of cases those customers they want to follow you yeah um, I didn't really get a chance I didn't really have that um, just because we were sent all over the place I, I didn't really spend a lot of time um, at, at any at any company to really build a relationship up. Cause we, there was just no consistency. We were running all over. So I pretty much just went for it with no clientele. Um, you got, you got big wibbles. <laughs> that or I'm just really stupid. Um, <laughs> but I, I just wanted to try it and see, you know, um, if it worked, it worked. If it didn't sell the truck, go back to what I was doing, you know, and I, that's, <laughs> that still may happen, you know? Wow. Yeah, no, I, uh, so like, as far as like collateral or, you know, getting started, oh, sorry, my cord fell, uh, collateral and stuff, you know, you, I'm sure you had to start some accounts for parts and stuff or how, how explain, you know, getting into this as far as money wise So to your comfortability. So parts wise starting out, like even, even still the way that I operate, not saying that it's the way to do it or the best thing to do but the way i just i just bill for labor and mileage um mm -hmm. the parts aspect of it parts are parts um not saying that down the road i won't get accounts buy parts where i get a discount where then obviously i can mark them up mm -hmm. and make a profit on them but the problem with doing that when you're fronting parts is you're putting a lot of your money out there, a lot of your capital capital on these jobs. So a good example, we'll just not saying it's not saying it's going to happen and it hasn't happened, but you do a job. We'll, we'll make an example. You do an engine and a dozer, mm -hmm. and, you know, normally in a dealer setting, you know, it would all just be on one invoice and you could do that too. If I were to go out in front, especially starting out, buying one of those engines and putting it in and you know obviously all the labor and everything get it set up and you know they they run it down the road and they run it and as far as for waiting on payment you know that's not only am i out the time and the fuel 
I also have tens of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. of my cash flow on that machine or in that machine. And I'm not, and it's not even a matter of the customer, you know, ditching out and not paying you. It could be just a matter of, you know, just. They've got 90 days to pay you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. However, you've got that set up, whether you're net 30, net 15, net 45, it's all different, you know, with each customer and how you negotiate. But, you know, that's a lot of cash flow to put out there um, and wait on it. And not saying that they aren't going to pay, but, you know, you've got to have money in the account to keep you moving while you're waiting for payment on that. So first starting out, I didn't do real big jobs like that. Um, the first job, like that transmission pole mm-hmm. did, I think it was last week, the week before, that's like the first big job I've done. Other than that, it's been a lot of smaller stuff. I mean, your hydraulic leaks, your blown hoses, you know, alternators, batteries, air compressors, whatever, smaller stuff, you know, and that's okay. And that's easy. Cause you know, you're not fronting a ton of capital to do that. And, you know, it doesn't really break the bank when you have to wait 30 days plus for those, those jobs. How often are you sending the customer to go grab your parts and that way they can pay for it? And I mean, in a lot of times, um, and I've dealt with that with my customers, like I'll, I'll tear into something and I'll say, Hey, you know, this thing, we'll just use a truck. For example, it needs a compressor. Mm -hmm. And they're like, all right, well, you tear into that. They're like, you know, call the dealer. We'll send a guy and we'll go pick it up. We'll send him with a card. Yeah. A lot of times, a lot of my customers do um, just for efficiency. You know, that way I'm not stopping what I'm doing and running off and going to pick up the part. I can just keep working on it and getting the compressor off. By the time they get there, we're ready to go back on and we're mm-hmm. back up. And that's, that's one example. Um, but... I don't know. It just depends on your customers. If you do decide doing it and you get out there, you know how you just have to have a conversation with them and you have to tell them like, Hey, you know, and and I feel like a lot of these customers know, you know, obviously you're first starting out. They know your cash flow is not like you don't have a ton of money in the bank, you know, (laughs) so they're not going to be like, Hey, you know, they just blew an engine in a dozer or a truck or something and be like, Hey man, you know, can you, can you front for this? <laughs> yeah. So with that being said, I mean, are you finding yourself having to chase your money at all? Not really. Um, I've, I've had a couple that I did where I had to, you know, kind of where it took a while for them to pay and they wanted to, they want to discount on the bill. And one of the times I made the mistake of discounting it, which you shouldn't do. It's, <laughs> it, it's all a learning experience, man. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, but it hasn't really been that bad. I've been really fortunate with the customers that I do have. They're more established companies. Mm-hmm. They, they know where I'm at too. They know I'm just starting my company and they're not trying to screw me over. You know, they understand that you know i need paid kind of in a timely manner yeah i mean it kind of seems like from what you're saying you know it's you know they know you're starting out and it's kind of like it sounds like you know i'll scratch your back if you scratch my back you know 
Yeah, and that's the other crazy part about it too is how how much support yeah. um, uh, these customers have been. Uh, you know, because a lot of them started out, you know, yeah, they weren't turning wrenches on equipment, but they've been there. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of my customers had have been there where I'm at now where they first got started and they say like, no, nah, like we, we know how it is, dude. Like we've been there, we get it. And they make it a priority where I send them an invoice and you know, they, they make me a bit more of a priority to pay me and get me paid uh, good, because man. they, that I'm not a, a well-established company that's got, you know, millions sitting in the bank. Yeah. One day, one day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> one day. Um, we don't really have to dive into this too much, but I was kind of curious, you know, insurance wise, uh, I'm sure you've got something to cover your ass. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess truck, how does this work? I guess you have insurance on your truck, obviously, but do you have like a, a cover your ass when like, say you put an engine in or you blow an engine or something like that? Liability coverage. Yeah. So. Yeah, so I so I have that, and it's uh, it's pretty much all in a package deal. Um, I reached out to just my personal agent for insurance when I first started, and I said, "Hey, I'm looking into you know business insurance. Uh, can you point me to an agent, or can you help me?" And of course, you know, she pointed me in the direction of uh, another agent where that's where they specialize is insuring businesses mm-hmm. and called him, had a conversation, told him what I was doing, what I needed. And he said, yeah, let me talk to Dave. Pretty much it's a firm and they have a handful of different insurance companies that they will basically submit my request and my, business model, I guess, mm-hmm. if that's what you want to call it, what I'm trying to do, they'll present it to these insurance companies and they'll either approve it or deny it. If they, if they want nothing to do with it, that's not really their field of expertise. They don't want to deal with it. Then, you know, then it is what it is, but there was one company that does, that does deal with my line of work or our line of work. <laughs> uh, and yeah, it was pretty simple. They, they approved it he come back and gave me, you know, the policy for liability, gave me the policy for coverage on the road of the truck, all that. And there's other things you can add to that too. I mean, if you want to add on short-term disability and other stuff like that, like if you get hurt on the job, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's stuff that you can add into the policy as well. It, they can cater it to your needs wow. and yeah, it's pretty straightforward there. That was, no. that was a pretty, Unless we're finding insurance. The one thing I will say about insurance for starting out, because I started normally like, you know, you with like auto insurance, let's say you call around and you want to try to find the cheapest deal, Mm -hmm. you know, want to save money. Well, the best thing I can say when you first start a company, it's just like getting your license again when you were 16. Um, The way insurance companies see you is you are a high risk. Because you have no, there's no background, there's no experience. They don't know whether you're going to make it or not. So usually um, if you get someone to cover you in the beginning, you pretty much have to deal with whatever that cost is up Mm -hmm. front. And then 
as you progress, like for instance, I renewed this year and my rates went down. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So it's, it's just like starting over with your driver's license. You know, you were high risk when you were younger, but then obviously after so long, you know, you didn't have any accidents and stuff like that. It, your insurance comes down. Mm -hmm. So that, do you have like an umbrella off of that to cover? Like if your truck gets broken into, or is that part of yep. your insurance yep. there? Got a, I've got an umbrella policy and that's another thing too. Another thing they can add on as well is mm -hmm. if you want to put an insurance policy on the truck where you want to insure your tools, whereas like you said, truck gets stolen, truck catches on fire and it's a total loss, your tools are covered and you're reimbursed oh, for that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's, uh, you're answering all my <laughs> questions perfectly. Um, I guess jumping off of that, like, um, you know, you're running your own gig. Uh, sorry, I'm going to kind of jump around on this a little bit because I'm kind of leading off of what you were just talking about. Like, so like you got your own truck. What do you do about breakdowns? Uh, <laughs> I haven't dealt with that yet. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> just starting out, um, had emissions issues with my truck. Of course. Um, it, it wasn't to the point where I had to call the hook. I was able to limp it home at the time. I didn't have insight or any of that stuff to hook to it yet. Mm -hmm. So I, I had to send it to the dealer. Um, and that's just, that's part of it. You know, it is what it is. I did. I didn't have a laptop to hook to it. What do you do? Um, but you know, we got past that, got it running again and luckily haven't had to, it's been a good truck and hasn't been a total headache for me um it's due for a set of injectors um i'll probably hopefully do that here in the near future um but <laughs> what did it disappear <laughs> did you hear a tone or something no didn't hear nothing you just looked at the camera all funny and <laughs> got all quiet yeah. no um but yeah no the truck's been good uh, luckily, no significant breakdowns. That was the only hiccup was just admit that first emissions issue. Um, yeah, I mean, if it's something I can tackle on the side of the road, if it's something simple, I'll mm -hmm. do it. Okay. But sometimes, yeah, I mean, you just got to call the hook and whether it it's kind of all circumstantial. It kind of depends on the situation and what I got to do. Like if my truck goes down, but I've got a customer that's, you know, they need then you be there now, you know, their, their machines down. It's in a hot job. You know, they got to get it done. I'm going to be loading tools into my pickup and I'm going to go try to get them going, you yeah, know? Of course. Um, cause at the end of the day, yeah. Am I showing up in the big red truck? No, but I'm going to do what I can for my customer to try to get them going. Hmm. Right on. I, I was just curious, you know, uh, cause I, I'd still like to go out on my own if I could, but I don't think it's ever going to happen just because I'm sitting gravy right now. Um, but this is perfect insight, everything, you know. Um, my, uh, I guess, next question is, like, uh, for, like, do you use any type of special program or anything for scheduling, or do you just use your phone, anything like that? So... <laughs> As far as for programming, no, like I use QuickBooks for all my invoicing and billing and tracking expenses and mm -hmm, stuff like mm -hmm. that. 
that's the system that I use. Um, I have a template that is made up for work orders that I handwrite. And I'm in the middle of changing that because my hands ache <laughs> uh, from all the work orders I've been doing. So I'm switching that to where I can type all of it in, type in the work order, type in parts, labor, description, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, as far as for scheduling, uh, I pretty much, I'm one of those old school guys. I've got an old clipboard with a notepad on it. And I that's what I use for my day-to-day -day everything, like my travel times, uh, my mileage, my labor, general description of what I've done. Um, if there's parts I need to order, if there's supplies I need to get, uh, or if I need to call someone, I, that's, that's how I operate. I just, I just got a notepad and I just write away on it. And then I go use my notes when it comes to making the official work order and putting everything together and, you know, submitting it to the customer. Now, are you crazy busy? First of all, are you, are you, I know you're crazy busy cause you work a lot of hours <laughs> just, just by Instagram, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, I will say here, gosh, what was that? It was a couple weeks ago, right when the time change happened. Yeah. Uh, we got a week of solid, good weather and it just went off like a bomb. Um, everyone, wanted to, you know, start up, everyone wanted to start, start, uh, start projects, you know, in the earth moving world, mm -hmm. um, started up and took off. And of course, um, with that people, people just started blowing me up cause stuff started breaking. So. <laughs> well, I was, I was curious just cause like, you know, once you get busy, I mean, are you writing up your stuff every night? Like, your finished jobs or you wait until the end of the week and then you close everything out or, uh, it depends really. Um, this week I've been slacking, um, just cause it's been, it's been a busy week. Uh, it's pretty much everything. I've got detailed notes of everything I've done throughout the entire week. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's the thing. I, it's just me. Like I'm doing, you know, obviously I'm, out driving the truck, going, talking to customers, working on the equipment, ordering the parts, picking up the parts. But then the legal aspect too, you know, I'm maintaining, keeping the company legal, uh, keeping, you know, DOT and stuff like that. And if I got to do reporting on that mm -hmm. and, you know, tracking all my expenses. So, I mean, a lot of paperwork, um, that I have to juggle around in combination with, uh, you know, going out and working on machines. And so it kind of, it varies day by day, man. There's, uh, there was days that I was doing a work order every day and I'd submit it and I was good. And there's other times too, where I had a customer where I basically worked for them the whole week and then submitted an invoice. <laughs> one like, Hey, can you look at this while you're, while you're here type thing? Well, it was, it was a project that I had, uh, over winter. It was a big one. Um, it was an old friction crane. It was an American. And I mean, we totally tore that thing down. I remember. Totally yeah. tore it down. And that was my winter project. Um, I pretty much, any other jobs I had through winter, I scheduled around that. Mm -hmm. And with that job and that customer, yeah, it was just, uh, they pretty much cut me a PO for each week. And I'd make a work order for the work that I did for that week. And 
send it to them, submit it to them. It's PO. It's pretty simple. That's awesome. That's always nice when they can just go with the flow, you know? Yeah. Um, it, it, it varies, man. Um, this week was a busy week and it wasn't with one customer. It was, you know, with multiple people. So that's where your paperwork really stacks up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, no, I, that's like I was telling you earlier, I'm this, my Friday evening is, uh, having a couple beers, obviously now we're doing the podcast, but then, yeah. uh, I'm putting dents in my paperwork, getting caught up with that. Cool, man. So I have a, I have a, a, a good one for you actually, uh, benefits. What are you doing for yourself? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> uh, band-aids. <laughs> yeah. I, um, no, as far as your benefits right now, I'm not doing anything. Um, I'm waiting pretty much where I want to do right now is, uh, build up the account, uh, company account, uh, get tooling and equipment and stuff like that situated. Um, I've got my own investments that I had that were separate from what I had as, you know, being an employee at a company, you know, retirement and whatnot like Mm -hmm. that health insurance. I'm just rolling dirty. Um, (laughs) yeah. Uh, I, I am looking into, what are they called? Just, um, gosh, I can't think of what it's called, but high deductible. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say like Cobra. One of those, it's just one of those policies where, yeah, if I roll my truck three times and, they got to, you know, wheel me in and a couple milk crates and got to sew me back together, you know, that I'll be covered for that. Mm-hmm. But if I cut my finger and I got to go get it stitched up, that I'm on the hook for and I got to pay out of pocket. Yeah, no, I got you. Well, everybody's favorite topic on this podcast is tools. <laughs> hey. I... Don't really like to dive into it, but since you're a private guy, I want to dive into it. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've got a lot of tools yourself, as do I. I have a mm-hmm. lot. Um, how often are you finding yourself in a pickle, not having the right tool or something, you know, that you need? Basic hand tools. Not really a whole lot. I've pretty much got all of them. Yeah. Um, it's it's really uh, you get into the more <laughs> the more expensive stuff, mm-hmm. uh, pulling rams and stuff like that for pulling pins. Uh, that's really, I mean, that I haven't gotten into too much undercarriage work, so I haven't really had to work on uh, needing a track press. And even in that situation, you know, I would probably. Either I just pass it off and say, "Hey, I, I don't have the track press." But if I had a customer that was adamant on me doing it, I'd be like, "Hey, I don't have track press." Some of the smaller stuff you can get away with the old yeah. sledgehammer, but <laughs> get into some bigger caliber machines that ain't just that ain't gonna happen. And in that situation, I would probably just say, "Hey, you know, like if you want me to do it, I'll do it." But I don't have a track press. We can call in a dealer or someone with a track press, or hopefully cross your fingers that's got a master link. Yeah, or that too. Yeah. yeah. No, I just mean even basic pulleys or something, you know, that you find yourself in pickles or porta powers, anything like that. You got all that stuff? Got porta powers, got one inch guns, 
got two one inch guns. They're air, three quarter gun, half inch. Nice. Um, I've got suitcase welder. I've got um, lance or exothermic oxygen lance. I've mm-hmm. got that art gouging tool. I mean, wow. I've got that stuff um, pretty much on my list. I need to, I need to get pulling rams still. That's on my list. And as time goes on, you know, if I end up doing more, more undercarriage work, getting into more of it, then yeah, I'm obviously going to be looking into a track press. Now, now I'm, I'm assuming you do, you rebuild cylinders. Do you go to a certain, a certain size and then you can't go further or? You've got a uh, like a cylinder table at home or anything like that? No, um, there's there's been times where I've I've done the the uh, method with the crane and the yeah. <laughs> putting it in the vise. I've done that, but see the area that I work, you know, and, and everyone's different on where they're at. Um, where I'm at is pretty heavily populated, and there's actually quite a few cylinder repair shops around Mm -hmm. here and in a lot of cases i'm not too terribly far from somewhere where i pull this thing apart and it's you know it's got a nut on it that's torqued to two three thousand foot pounds Mm -hmm. Uh, i just tell them i'm like hey you know i can do it this way or we can just take it there have them put it on the table bust it loose i repack it there torque it back and i've done that and then there's times where customers are like, no, nah, man, you just pull it off and go drop it off and have them rebuild it. <laughs> you know, it, it's circumstantial. It, it, there's a lot of, there's situations that come up, you know, where, you know, yeah, they might be like, we're repacking it in the field because, you know, this thing has to be running the next morning. Cylinder shop, cylinder shop's about to close. Um, we're too far away, you know, stuff like that. Um, or it's just workload. The cylinder shop's like, hey, we're backed out two weeks. We can't get to you. Oh, <laughs> you run. It's like, well, then we're, I guess we're. I guess we're repacking in the field. You know, yeah. it it changes. I don't religiously do them in the field. I don't religiously have someone else do them. Oh, nice, real nice. Ruin the podcast with your sound effects. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, are you part of the Milwaukee cult? Oh, dude, I've got it bad. <laughs> that's a big thing on here colt yeah yeah i i use it myself um (laughs) yeah yeah i'm pretty bad so i'm kind of done on the power tools i pretty much got everything i want Mm -hmm. Uh, one thing i want still is a mag drill um i've got my eye on the milwaukee's of course (laughs) um but the biggest thing lately that I've gotten into is their pack out stuff for oh, storage. Yeah. No, they're badass, man. And they look good in your truck, obviously, because they're red. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was the bonus. Yeah. They, you know, it matches the truck. But I mean, anyone that drives a truck knows it doesn't matter how big the truck is, you know, unless you've got some ridiculously long tandem, you're always looking for more space. You're always yeah. trying to make the most out of every square inch. And, I've run into a lot of issues just with like my old blow molded cases that all my kits come in, you know, not, it's hard to get them all to fit in place. Tetris. It's really hard. Yeah. And not only that, they're not really made to be banging around in a truck. So 
they're really starting to show their age. And so now I've been pretty much phasing out those blow molded cases and, you know, putting my kits into pack out stuff hmm. and also using pack outs for organizing, you know, your, my electrical stuff. Um, I'm building a kit right now of air fittings and airlines for like on trucks and stuff. And I'm going to, I have another one, another pack out that's sitting in the garage that I'm going to turn into a bolt bin. Hmm. And I like them too, because you can pull them out and, you know, take, you know, if I were to have a bolt in drawer assembly one, they're extremely expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't, don't get me wrong. Pack out's not cheap, but it's a drop in the bucket compared to buying an, you know, an American Eagle drawer set. And not only that, you, you can't take them with you or pull them out. If you want to go in somewhere, go to walk to a machine with a kit. And just have it right there instead of walking to your truck every single yeah. time. Yeah. No, that's cool, man. And you're you're definitely like me. I like organization, man. It's gotta look good too, you know. Oh yeah. So. Yeah, that's it's it's definitely a big thing with me as far as for organization. Cause it, it's a big efficiency thing with me too. I hate having to fumble around, take three, four things out just to get one thing out. <laughs> yeah. I understand. So, uh, what's your plans for freedom field service? So I'm, when I first started pretty much what I wanted to do, obviously I wanted to try it, but my main goal is I just wanted to be happier. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and I will say I am a lot happier doing it as far as for growth and kind of the direction I want to go. Um, I'm not, you know, right now, if this is all I ever do and it's just me, um, you know, I'm happy. I'm content with that. Granted, you know, five years down the road or something, if I might change my tune, I might say, you know what, I want to grow this company. I want to bring, bring a couple people on and buy a couple trucks and, you know, build this into something, you know, substantial. Um, as of right now, I'm just kind of living in the moment, I guess, you know, I'm only a year into it, so I've learned a lot, but I've still got a lot to learn. Yeah, of um, course. You know, it's I'm just kind of taking it, taking it day by day for right now. And you know, you talk to me, we might do another podcast in another year, <laughs> another two. I might sing a totally different tune. I might say, yeah, you know, I want to get, I want to get a couple guys on board and you know, make this something. But right now I'm, I'm happy doing what I'm doing, just me rolling solo. And I think I really need to kind of perfect that. I need to put some more time in and, and definitely get, I guess, be, be successful on my own yeah. before, before I, I can bring. From what I can see, man, you're doing pretty good. Um, yeah. Uh, Cause that's the other thing about it too, is, I take it a lot more personal bringing someone else on your, you know, that's, that's someone else's livelihood that you're involving. Mm-hmm. Oh, if, if I screw up, it's all on me. Yeah. You know, I, I only have myself to blame, but me screwing up and it affecting someone else's livelihood that, you know, that, that would hurt me. That, that makes sense, man. That That's pretty, pretty good on your part. I, I think, um, so uh, a big to- topic for me on this podcast, which I kind of haven't talked to about 
the past couple episodes, but uh, burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you work a lot of hours. Uh, how do you try to at least avoid it? I know it's kind of hard sometimes when in your own gig, but uh, if if you are burned out, how do you recover from that? You know, significant otherwise or yourself. I mean, man, I'm human. Um, it's still, it's still a struggle. I mean, there's, there was times being employed that I would, that, you know, I was burned out and I'd say being self-employed so far, I haven't got to that point yet just cause it kind of, it kind of lit that fire in me like back, you know, when you first started and you were younger, you're real young and eager, you know, you, you were ready to put in all the hours and that's kind of brought that spark back for me going out on my own again. So it doesn't really phase me as much now, but I'm not saying that it won't. I'm sure I'm going to reach that point again. As far as for that, man, uh, I was, I don't know. I mean, I, I'll say one thing, you know, I've, I've learned kind of as I've gotten older, you, you've got to learn to shut off, to shut it off when you go home. You know, you can't bring work home with you. And I know everyone says that, but there's a lot of truth to that. Um, As far as for me resetting, like if I've had a bad day or even a bad week, um, usually just coming home, spending time with her, spending time with the dog. Uh, My son, you know, will cook. You know, I I like being outdoors. I mean, just you just got to get away from the stuff and shut it off. Um, And some and sometimes that's hard to do, especially now being (laughs) self-employed, there's no PTO, you know, and you, your customer calls, you can't really ignore the call, but yeah, burnout. I don't know. I guess (laughs) that man, I, I know the ways that I, (laughs) there were bad, there were bad ways that I coped before where you know you just go home and pound pound a bunch of beers until you go to sleep and then wake up and do it again but that's, that's okay. not healthy i, mean, I wouldn't recommend that <laughs> trying to think of you know a healthy way to, yeah, to not go. necessarily i'm just kind of asking your opinion you know what, what's the ways that you do it but i mean some days you might drink a bunch of beers i do that but, <laughs> uh, yeah i'm not saying that there won't be another day that i won't do that <laughs> i still do it on occasion no, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, that's a tough one. Like I said, uh, I just think about, I think back to the bad days that I've had and pretty much I just, just going home and get my mind off of it and focusing on other things, relaxing at home with my woman and, you know, hanging out with the dog and, you know, I'll go hang out with friends and stuff. I guess I've never really struggled with it that bad. Um, I, I guess when I wake up every morning, you know, I, I guess it's kind of, it's a new day. Like I, <laughs> I still wake up and keep going, you know, I still want to do it. You got to. Yeah. yeah. And that's one thing too. Uh, you know, I, I've, <laughs> I've, my dream job as a kid was literally, you know, I'd see those guys driving around in the cat trucks. And that's what I wanted to do. So, you know, this, I don't know, I guess I take it differently, but I have been overwhelmed. I have had bad days. I have put in a lot of hours where, 
you know, I, I've needed an escape and sometimes taking time off has helped me. Sometimes it hasn't. Yeah. Now, like as far as do you work seven days a week sometimes, or do you take weekends or how do you do that being self-employed? Uh, lately, lately, um, that's the, that's the, I just have some awesome customers. I really do. <laughs> Cause uh, you know, my big customer that I did that project with the crane, they only worked during the week, you know, set hours. And I told him, I said, you know, I'm, I'm here as long as you want me, mm-hmm. you know, you want me here on Saturdays and let's get this thing. Let's knock it out. And they're like, nah, you know, don't worry about it. Which that, that in itself, it was, it was a blessing and a burden. Like I liked it, but at the same time, I'm, I'm not used to that. You know, I'm used to uh, let's hammer it out, get it done, get on to the next thing. Yeah. When you've got a, a big project like that, and, um, you know, you're kind of just doing your normal nine to five or whatever, you're kind of married to it for longer than you want to be. But, um, on the plus side, you're not working crazy hours, but then again, I'd leave there and go do other work for other customers. But, uh, no, I mean, I don't have, it's not like I'm set up to where I won't work weekends or anything like that. Pretty much. When the customer calls, I'll go. I just, I've worked. I was just kind of curious if you had like I, I'm taking Sunday off or whatever. Or I'm going to take <laughs> Saturdays off or how? No, no, uh, no. I haven't done any of that. I, I haven't really got to that point yet. Um, because you know I'm just to me I'm still new to this and I'm pretty much taking every opportunity I can get. Um, but luckily all the customers that I have had have said like, you don't need to work on Sunday. And I've, I've worked plenty of Saturdays and lately that's what it's been too. Mm-hmm. Since, since, uh, we've got better weather here and stuff's picked up. I've been working every Saturday since tomorrow or tomorrow, Saturday actually worked out. I was supposed to work, but that customer ended up canceling. So I, uh, I don't have a job to go to tomorrow, but there's still work to be done because like I told you, there's still paperwork to get cut up on it. It never ends. There's always something to do. Um, whether you, <laughs> whether you've got a job to go on or you get paperwork to do at home or, I mean, dude, there's always something to do on the truck, um, organization, cleaning, you know, it, it never ends. And then on top of that, you got to, you know, juggle in your personal stuff too, personal stuff to do. Yeah. So I, I totally brain farted on this one. I was going to ask you and I forgot, uh, kind of jumping back. All right. Um, as far as, you know, your labor rate and all that stuff, do you have a, I don't want to know your rate. We don't have to talk about that, but, uh, you have, you have a labor rate, obviously. Uh, do you charge drive time? Yep. So, it's I charge drive time, obviously to and from. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have you know time there, time back, and then I have mileage that I put on top of that. It's it's not a lot. It's essentially just to cover fuel and help with maintenance. Yeah. No. I see. I always knew like let's just use this for an example of like I'm charging eighty bucks an hour and mm-hmm. eighty bucks an hour of drive time plus a dollar a mile. Yeah. You know, that's what I was going to do. But, uh, 
and I'm set up the same way. Same way. Okay. Yeah. How did you, how did you figure your, your rate? Is it just something you came up with or? Something I, you said something I came up with. Yes. Like as far as like a number, is that your idea or is you kind of basing it off of other people? Well, I, I did some digging just kind of seeing what, you know, obviously what the local dealers are charging, you know, everywhere's different on cost of living and what they charge and what the labor rate is. Um, and so, you know, I kind of use that as a base, uh, finding, you know, finding out what all the dealers charge and I don't charge dealer rate. Um, yeah, of course. I don't cut my own throat, you know, yeah. that's cause here's the thing about it. You know, you're going out and you're essentially providing a service to these people. And I, I, you run into this where someone says, Oh, well, you're this much. Well, the dealer is that much. It's like, I'll tell you right now, for starters, if you have a customer say that to you, that's your first red flag that you don't need to be doing work for that customer. Mm -hmm. Um, but the thing is when they're asking you that question, like they're going to hold you to the same standard or hold you just as accountable as they would the dealer, you know? So, you know, you're, yeah, you don't have dealer, you don't have dealer support. You're not showing up in a cat truck or whatever the case, whatever the brand. But at the same time, like you still have to show up with the tooling, the knowledge, the equipment, you still have to be insured, you know, and there's still all the same legal stuff that you have to do. And, and I, I think it all comes down to, you know, you also have to factor in what you can do. Yeah, of course. You know, you can't be, you can't be charging 10 bucks under the local labor rate uh, for a heavy equipment dealer and then showing up in a pickup with a milk crate full of tools. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's all about what you're capable of doing. And, um, and that kind of comes with it as well. You know, what equipment you have and what you're capable of, you know, doing on your own. Now, am I saying that a guy shows up in a pickup and can't figure out how to pull a cylinder off or pull an engine out of a dozer or whatever the case? No, I'm not saying that. There's other ways to do it. You know, if you got another piece of equipment nearby, it can be done. We, I've done it. <laughs> yeah. I've done it because I, I haven't always had the big cool truck with the nice crane on it, even when I was an employee. Um, and we still figured it out, but yeah, pretty much how I based it was just looking in the area, what people were charging dealers wise, obviously you want to be competitive. You're not the dealer, but at the same time, you don't want to cut your own throat, um, to where you're so cheap to where you're not profitable. You know, it's, it, it's not worth it. Yeah. I was just hearing to say that you got to make something a little bit. Well, here's, here's the other part of it too, that I've kind of seen is, and you know, it's, I, I, I would, I don't know if I'd call it a saying or not, but I've heard people say, you know, cheap labor attracts cheap customers. Yeah. You know, if you're, if you're super cheap, you're going to attract super cheap people that are most likely going to take advantage of you. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if you're up there, you're not dealer price, but you're not far off from them. You're, those people aren't really going to mess with you, but at the same time, you are going to be held to that standard. So, 
you know, if you show up and they're like, Hey, you know, we need to, you need to diagnose this transmission issue on this dozer or this, you know, hydraulic issue on this excavator, you're, you're on the spot. You got to figure it out and <laughs> you don't, how are you going to charge them? You know, yeah. you can't, you can't send a, you can't send a, you know, whatever the cost, you know, you drive two hours, hundred miles and you're there four hours. You do the math, even at a hundred bucks an hour, that racks up a bill pretty darn quick. Yeah. And if you don't figure out anything, you can't charge them. So yeah, just, I think it all comes down to what you can do as far as for your knowledge and your tooling. And then also what you can do as far as for your equipment and then based on your area, what your dealers are charging, and you kind of just have to figure it out on your own. I, I, I don't think, I think as long as you know all of those and do your research and find all of that information out around you, I, I think any, any intelligent person could probably come up with an idea on labor to where it's worth their while. Yeah. I agree. I agree, man. Well, what do you think? Hour and five minutes. <laughs> I I'm still good to keep going if you want, but well, we, I mean, we another can, huh? I said we can do it on another podcast. We always except. could, you know. I I definitely like to catch up with you, you know, later on down the road and see how things have changed or if they have or you know better or worse with this. <laughs> With the way things are going, you know, I'm, I'm kind of nervous of, of how the economy's going, you know, but yeah. th that's another story. I, I promise everybody I won't ever get into politics on this podcast, but dude, it's scary right now. You know, I, yeah. I'm scared we're going to fall into another recession and with our industry, I mean, it's hit and miss. I, you know, I talking to some older boys, you know, that have been doing this a while and, you know, they went through tougher times and stuff like that. And I, I will say in this industry, I'm not really too worried about it. I don't think that, I don't think anyone's going to struggle finding work even in that situation because we're already, we're already shorthanded as it is. Yeah. You know, there, there's already positions that can't be filled. And even if it does really go sideways, yeah. Are, are we going to be working on what we want to work on? We might not be working on our, what we're passionate about. It might not be dozers and excavators and cool stuff like that, but I guarantee there's still cars that are going to need worked on. There's still going to be generators, semi-trucks, you know, the, the world can't just come to a halt. Yeah, no, I agree. That's, that's what I was doing back in the day when last recession hit, you know, working on cars because people needed them. Yeah. So. I, and, you know, talking to older guys, like I said, they said they didn't struggle finding work in the last recession. There was, there were still people looking for mechanics. Yeah. I just, I happened to turn 18 right in the middle of it, you know, so it was hard to find work at first or exactly what I wanted to do. Yeah. But, uh, man, I, I think that would be the biggest thing is you're doing something that you don't want to do that you're not passionate about, but when you're in that situation, it's not a matter of what you enjoy. It's a matter of surviving and making sure the bills are paid. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. But 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think we call this one good. It was this is a good one. So, yeah. Um, I before we finish off, man, uh, you got any uh, advice for up and coming guys or guys that are wanting to go out on their own or you know just even the new guy that wants to start wrenching um as far as for guys wanting to go out on their own um i will say like there's pros and cons to both sides there's things that i miss being an employee there's there's luxuries that come with that and there's luxuries that you get with being self-employed but it really all just comes down to what you want in life um and what you want to do um, I'm not going to sit here and bash and say that everyone needs to be self-employed because it's not for everyone. Are you a fidgeter? I am. Well, <laughs> you clicking the fucking pin. Well, you're trying not to lose your mind listening to it. Uh, it's all good. I just people are probably like, "What the fuck is that?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Next no, time, no, I'll no. sure there's nothing to fidget with. <laughs> it's all good. But anyways, go on, man. Sorry. Uh. <laughs> but yeah that's what i would say to anyone thinking about going and starting i mean don't be afraid i mean pretty much <laughs> just try it i i will say the longer you wait the more you're not going to want to do it um you know that's kind of where i was at i do have a son but you know i'm not at the point where i've got a couple kids and I'm at an early part of my life. And, you know, while I'm still young and eager and want to do it, I wanted to try it because you wait 10, 15 years down the road. You're going to lose. You're going to be like, eh, you're, you're, you're not going to want to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it. And the thing about it is if you fail now, it's not like failing when you're 45 or 50. You know, when you fail in your 20s or early 30s. You know, you, more times than not, you can usually recover from it. Yeah, exactly. And and that's not me bashing a 45-year-old that wants to go out and do it. I just, I can't say much to them because I'm not that age, you know. Um, but even then, if you want to do it, just go do it. Try it. It's not the end of the world if it doesn't work out. And that's the way I approached it, man. I mean, I you just got to get out there and go and do it and try it and see if it's for you. Mm-hmm. There's yeah, no other way. That's a good thing. You know, if it, if owning a business isn't for you and you want to go back to dealership life or whatever you're doing. Yeah. And that's, that's what I told myself and told her too. Um, you know, I wanted to try it and if it didn't work out or it, it might not have even been that, you know, it was something bad, you know, like went belly up. It could be that it just wasn't for me. I just wasn't happy doing it. I was more stressed than I was being at a dealer or being an employee. Well, then you just go back to doing it. And that's the way I see it too. It's worst case scenario. If it doesn't work out, I still enjoyed what I did working for a dealer or a contractor being an employee. Um, and I would, I'd go back to it. Yeah. I would definitely go back to a dealer too, but probably ain't going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the end. I mean, that's, that's the goal. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty happy with what I'm doing now and I'm going to do what I can to continue doing it. Right on, man. Well, I, uh, definitely appreciate you coming on, man. Uh, this was a very insightful episode in my opinion. Um, 
where can people find you on the social media? So the, the platform that I'm on the most is Instagram, um, which I have a personal and obviously a company one. My company one is Freedom Field Service. Um, and that's where I post, post stories often. And uh, I try to make, you know, po- actual posts with, uh, with detail of what I'm doing and stuff like that. But it's just, sometimes it just doesn't work out. <laughs> I, but yeah, that IG I use the most. I am on Facebook as well. Again, Freedom Field Service. If you put it in the search bar, it'll pop up. Um, yeah, those are the only two that I, I really mess with. I, I'm not really on YouTube. Uh, I don't make any, any videos on, on YouTube or anything. Um, yeah, that's, that's about it. Cool. <laughs> Sounds good. I will, uh, be giving you a shout out on the, on the Instagram, but yeah, man, let's close this thing out. I think. Yeah. And then we'll get you back on, you know, see what, see how things are going. But, uh, if y'all need to get a hold of me, you know the deal. Certified wrench under certified wrench underscore. Let's try this again. Certified wrench podcast at gmail.com. The Instagram is certified wrench underscore podcast. And you can find me on Facebook, certified wrench podcast, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm on YouTube now. I haven't been doing anything crazy lately. Um, but I promise I'll get I'll get back into it. And uh, merchandise, folks, I'm gonna keep saying it on every episode. Uh, you know, money made from merchandise goes towards all of my new equipment that I'm purchasing for this podcast that you guys love so much, supposedly. Um, anyway, Wade, I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. And uh, we will catch y'all later. Until next time, thanks. See ya.